This movie was enjoyable. Go see it now. Negativity just shows how much people don't like change. I'll wait for the Ghostbusters Pirate Bay premiere. This movie is as funny as the Last Airbender and Dragon Ball Evolution films. Anyone else here come to dislike? Boo! Women should stay in the kitchen where they belong. This movie was as funny as the time my dad said he was leaving to get his dry cleaning and never came back. Nothing new here. Now they just have vaginas. Feminist PC garbage. Let's all play a game of find the pig. I mean, find the feminazi. This is Ryan from TheMoodIsDeadWorld.net, and I am joined by Mr. Martin. Howdy. And uh, we are here today because we just recently saw Ghostbusters, the 2016 reboot, remake. Reimagination. Imaginarium. That uh, we promised that we would see that last time. Taking a break from the month of gold bloom. Feels a little empty. Little... Excursion off the, the beaten path. In in some ways, I was really hoping that Jeff Goldblum would find his way into Ghostbusters. That would be it. Would have been great. It, it would have been fantastic. I, I was, you know, I was sitting there watching the film and just thinking like he could pop in at any time. <laughs> there are enough cameos in here. I mean, one of them could have been Jeff Goldblum. It would have been great. I would have. I, I would have jumped out of my seat. I would have too. I, would, were, I would have. Were, I would have jumped you know, up. The, I would have jumped up in like full applause. The twelve people in our theater would have been a little perturbed that we. <laughs> you know what's funny? Now that you mentioned that, I have never. I, I can't remember every time I've gone to a movie, whether it's been like opening weekend or like late in its run, where the theater's been full. I have never been to a movie where, like, even if it's like the day of the film, you mean, it's you mean in in where we go in Johnstown or Amsterdam? Or Amsterdam? Yeah. Sometimes it. I it, mean, I understand it, why because yeah. we don't live in a heavily populated yeah. area, but you'd still think, like, when the new Star Wars comes out, like, she's gonna be packed. No, nope. not tw- twenty-five people in there at most. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the. I would say that the film that I had seen recently that had the most people in it was Zootopia. They had the most people, and it was a lot of kids. Maybe that's because I don't go see, like, kids' films. I can see, like, a kid film. Yeah, maybe. Like, yeah. Maybe, like, The Secret Life of Pets, which is out now, or, like, mm. Finding Dory. Mm. I can see more people in there. But even, like, maybe like, those a, like, a, like a big franchise. Like, when I go see a Bond film, there's, like, nobody. no one. <laughs> nope. Or, like, the new Star Trek film. No one. Batman v Superman had a very little. Well, we saw that in late. Yeah, it was late, though. Yeah. That's true. But this one, Ghostbusters, was, this was opening weekend. Just Su- yeah. you know, Sunday we saw, but it's still it was opening weekend, yeah. seven o'clock show. It's not like it was like the late show or anything or a matinee. So nope, prime time for movie going. But uh, yeah, we had I would say I would estimate what like twelve people, twelve thirteen. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. A lot at all. So not a lot. Um, but before we get like too far into this podcast, I want to go over our introduction a little bit. 
our uh, spoken word narrative there, thanks to Ray Parker Jr. and his Ghostbusters theme song. Um, I don't think it's really, a, a, you know, a secret for anybody who doesn't even follow movies that much to that. If you're, ghost... just, if you're just on the social media, yeah, at all. I mean, I think everybody realizes that Ghostbusters got a lot of shit thrown at it. Paul Feig and company have had a rough go since the trailer. Well, even actually since the announcement that it was being you gotta, made. You gotta, ima- you gotta imagine, though, that they kind of knew that going in. Mm. You, uh, I'm, like I said, it, well, it's hard to say it's, it's, if they, it's, if they it's, knew it's a, that or they expected more of the fans to go along with it. I think they should have expected pretty big backlash. Ghostbusters is a cult classic. It's a one of the considered a timeless comedy now one of the best comedies of all time it's like anytime you mention like Bill Murray Dan Aykroyd Harold Ramis they're you know Ghostbusters first thing thought of Mm -hmm. so a lot of people have a great nostalgia for Ghostbusters rightfully so it's a great film and even Ghostbusters 2 I actually like Ghostbusters 2 but it has a big fan base so I, I so anytime a film that's got or a film franchise that has you know a pretty big fan base when they a remake comes around nobody's going like great great can't wait to see that remake so like you can name any remake that or like reimagination or whatever when like friday the 13th got like announced like for a remake nobody's going like great can't wait to see what they do for that or when they remade halloween great can't wait to see what rob zombie does people are like are you fucking kidding me really robocop no one was going great that guy can do what better than what Paul Verhoeven did. But I think the biggest thing with Ghostbusters is that you're not getting... I mean, this one seemed to get a lot of, like, vicious backlash. Like, let's talk, like if you talk about RoboCop and you think, alright, they're ma- remaking RoboCop. No one was like, I'm gonna fucking kill those people that are making RoboCop. No one was sending death threats to people on RoboCop's uh, production and saying, like, I can't believe you were remaking no, this I, film. No, I... And, and I I agree, because most you don't see that kind of backlash. But at the same time, as big of a cult classic as, like, RoboCop is, which is, it's, you know, considered one of the best, like, satire and action films yeah. of all time, it's not, it's still got a pretty niche audience. Ghostbusters is pretty universally beloved. But I think, I think it does have to do, like, it does kind of have to do, people saw, oh, it's got Melissa McCarthy in it. Oh, this is gonna suck. Mm-hmm. But, and I think that's why people are mainly pissed off, probably because there's, there, you know, maybe because it is an all-female cast, for the most part. But at the same time, I think, almost like I said, like, this film kind of comes across as it could be, like, directed by Judd Apatow. It was, like, Judd Apatow regulars, like Seth Rogen, James Franco, and Paul Rudd. I probably would be like, this film's probably gonna suck, even though I think Seth, I do like Judd Apatow in films, I think he's pretty, you know, they're pretty funny. I think Seth Rogen's pretty funny, I think Paul Rudd's hilarious. I'd still probably be like, Spill is probably gonna suck. Yeah. Paul Rudd might be good at it though. Yeah. And it's kinda like this for me when it coming going into this movie, I stayed away from the trailer, didn't watch it, didn't want to have any interest in it. I had like absolutely no interest in it at all. I didn't want like, because I don't want to go in like kind of tainted and like having certain view. And I do that like most of the films. Like when we go when we went to go see the remake of Evil Dead, I went in totally blank. Didn't want to see like the trailer for it, didn't want to know anything about it. I want to go in bare bones so I'm not going 
and like you know biased. I kind of with all these remakes and reimaginations, I go in very skeptical mm-hmm. because usually I like the original film, and you and so I already had and most remakes don't pan out to be good. So usually I'm like it's probably gonna suck. I'll go see it though to see how bad it sucks, and if it's actually good, I'll be like, I'll leave pleasantly surprised. Right. Which is like with the Evil Dead remake, or as RoboCop didn't have that, or you know some others. So I try, I purposefully try to go into these as you know, with like no like paying attention to the trailers or the what's going on in like so how people are talking about social media or anything. Because I don't, I don't want you know be like yeah you know read something, but yeah that guy's probably right. So I don't want to go in tainted. I mean, I I tried to do that myself as well, um, but I inevitably did see the trailer for it because I think I was seeing another film in theaters, and the trailer for Ghostbusters happened to be a part of that um, that movie, and so I did see the trailer. And I'll I'll admit, when I saw the trailer for it, I did not think good things. I I, I thought that it did not look promising. It did not look very funny. Uh, I don't think. After seeing it now, I don't think the trailer was cut very well. I don't think so either. I don't. But, think... at, but at the same time, what film trailer do you see now that yeah. makes you go, "Oh, I got to go see that movie"? Yeah. None. I, I they, every trailer that's cut now is cut like so specifically. Like they got to have the cut to black, so, you know, quick cuts, cut to black, you know, to try to build up suspense and tension. Whether it could be like you know like. A, Fucking Finding Dory. Yeah. And it'd be like, bang, you know, like the whole Inception thing. There's a shark. You know, bang, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm going to find my mom. Bang. I mean, I, I will say from a noise standpoint, I kind of appreciate those because they're, <laughs> they're kind of like power electronics-y in, in yeah. a way. But, um, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, like that is the school of trailer making now. It's it, like, it's terrible. It makes me like when I watch like a trailer from the seventies. You, like, like, kind of appreciate it? Because, like, the 70, trailer's from the 70s... You got that it's, same it's, guy who's, like, in a world where... Well, that's more 80, <laughs> it's more 80s. Yeah. Like, but, like, in the 70s, like, trailers are, like, three minutes long, and they basically tell the whole tell you the whole plot of the film. Like, so, for instance, like, not, not that long ago, I was just, like, on YouTube, and I was watching, like, tra- like some old trailers. I was watching the trailer to uh, Al Pacino's first film, The Panic in Needle Park. Which is about him being a heroin addict. It's a really good film. It's on Netflix. Yeah, I've seen it. It's a great film. You should watch it. It's like kind of like an exploitation, but not like mm-hmm. an exploitation film. The whole trailer for it's like three minutes long. And it's basically telling you the whole plot. Like Al Pacino plays a drug dealer and a drug addict who fa- falls in love with a yeah. They literally woman. Gave and they you the character yeah, dra- and they spell dynamic. everything yeah. out. And it's like I can't, you, yeah. you kind of like granted like sometimes they spoil the film for you, but at the same time it's like. They basically spell out for you and, like, then throw little clips in there yeah. of, like, what happens in the film. I, I can just imagine, like, the guy that they gave the synopsis to is like, all right, you're going to read this for the for the trailer. And, like, okay, um, this thing's, like, three minutes long. Are you sure about that? Like, They're like, oh, yeah, 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 definitely read that. He's like, this seems like it's the full film. Is there, like, another part of the film that's not in this synopsis like no no that's it it's like are you sure you want me to spell this out like like literally everything that's written here you want me to say or is that like things i should know about this no 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 yeah say it all say it all it's like it's like if like imagine if they did like if you i guarantee you watch like a trailer it's like my bloody valentine like silent night did they'd be like there's a killer on the loose and then they they would be like yeah and like and billy jean 
was worried. I'm worried. And then, like... <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, but they used to do, like, a lot of radio spots, too, where you'd get very, very similar things. You'd even hear, like, um, on the radio spots, it wouldn't just be the announcer, but you'd hear, like, actual scenes within it. Very... Because, yeah, you know, try to sell, it, yeah. sell the film. It's really interesting to see, like, all of... To, to see, like, the... The old school style of marketing and then the new school, which is basically like cut together all the most intense parts that you can with like an intense brooding soundtrack and then just, you know, chop it together. It's all generic. It's all yeah. generic. Like, like, let's talk about, cause in our trailer for, we're getting off track here a little bit, but it's not, but it, it is related to Ghostbusters because of the trailer cutting for Ghostbusters. Um, like in our film, we had, um, Deepwater Horizon as one of the trailers uh, with uh, Mark Wahlberg, textbook, textbook example Tra- of like, like this is a this is a thriller movie. Um, we want to make sure that they see the family. And it's gonna be. We want to make know. sure that they hear all those bass rumbles because that's gonna be intense. The so- you know, yeah, the sonic booms that you get. We want to make sure that we keep things as veiled as possible, though. So like, show the oil rig, but don't show anything else or anybody in in this oil rig at all like like don't even show mark Wahlberg at the oil rig just pretend like he's there and mention dinosaurs you know i've seen that trailer twice now and neither time has it appealed to me on a like entertainment level like as a as a trailer and as a marketing technique it's good because it kind of um, solidifies what this film is going to be out like everybody knows like from watching other trailers like this is like a realistic disaster film and it's like, well, yeah, because you know, like, like based on a yeah, true story like, of like, heroes. Like, think the perfect storm. Think the revenant. Think that you know. It it just is like like basically that whole series of films that based on like true stories, based on or, realistic well, survival. Because of the guy that made uh, was it American Sniper or the other? Uh, I can't. I feel bad because I went to see it. It was the Mark Wahlberg, Wahlberg film where he played a sniper in Afghanistan. It was not American Sniper. I'm drawing because I know that Bradley uh, Cooper was Cooper in was in that one. I'm, I'm uh, drawing a blank. On, I I know what you're talking about. I saw it with Matt, yeah, my friend Matt, and I, I did I, and I did like that a lot actually. But I'm drawing. I'm, I don't remember the name of that. And I'm drawing film a blank because I, I did not see that, but I know that you talked about it before. Yeah. I'm, it doesn't matter. But anyway, getting back to like the Ghostbusters trailer itself. It's terrible. It was not a well-cut trailer. Um, the the jokes did not land. They picked some of the worst jokes to include. And and I guess that's a that's a technique. You know, if you pick jokes that kind of don't, are not as funny, they kind of fall flat. You don't have that uh, other issue, on the other hand, where you've shown the best moments within the trailer itself. Because that also happens with some of with some comedies like well, yeah. that also happens where like you go to see the film and you're like wow well, I left it. a lot more Evan's in the trailer than I did in this entire film so you get both there's both spectrums but I think that Ghostbusters falls on the side of like just not so funny kind of actually looks cringeworthy throughout a lot of the trailer like it, ooh this yeah. you know this looks really well cuz like the way like when you got like Kirsten Wig would be like it got all over me. And every crack, every crack was filled. But it's that's supposed to be a joke. But at the same time, they got like ominous, brooding music playing. It's like eh, t- tone. The music doesn't match right. what she's saying. And yeah, I you know I just seeing that trailer. I did not have high expectations for it. I just you know I was getting what other people were saying, not from the standpoint of like oh no, there's four women in this film like that. 
my penis just shriveled a little bit there. It's like I feel emasculated. No, well, well again, like, it's like fucking stupid. I know. Like, like I said, from watch. If I watched that trailer before I went to see the movie, I would have been like, "This looks awful." Granted, like I, I went into it thinking this is not probably going to be good. Right. But like I said, if it what if it didn't like didn't happen to be. The chicks from uh, Bridesmaids. Yeah, and it was did not uh, have Melissa McCarthy. Did not have uh, Kristen Wiig. Instead, you supplant uh, Seth Rogen and you know yeah. the rest. The rest of yeah. the Judd Apatow gang saying the same lines still would have thought, "Wow, that looks shitty." Could have been Will Ferrell in the frat pack, like right. Will Ferrell, Luke Wilson, like Owen Owen Wilson and uh, Vince Vaughn. I'd still be like, "Ooh, yeah." Oh yeah. yeah. Oh. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's the biggest thing with the trailer is that it looks cringeworthy. Now, the reason that we included all of those those comments, which are real comments, they did not come from us. Just to to point that out, you know, 17 minutes into the podcast is kind of a, a late uh uh you know, bulletin mm. to point out we should probably should have started with that saying like we didn't write that stuff. Sorry. Um but yes, we did know? not write that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh we pulled that from the real uh YouTube page for the trailer. Um those are real comments. You know And those aren't even like the vitriolic. Yeah, ones. those aren't the I mean I'm that's sure like, those that, have been downloaded. That's like that's like that's like that's like three minutes of just like quick scouring. Yeah, that that was like the icing on the cake of like what you could have seen um, I can just imagine what the worst ones were like, but, but seriously, all, let's, let's talk about, before we get into like the full discussion of the film and, and our beer and everything else that we normally do, let's talk about that, that idea that this film is a, a, a female PC version of Ghostbusters, uh, with a lot of feminazis behind it. I mean, what is it? First of all, what about this Ghostbusters film, even from the trailer, can you, pull a feminine feminism perspective from it what 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 do you see what do you see what do you what are your thoughts on that besides four women in the film there three of them are scientists and one of them's a metro worker is that a a, is that a feminism perspective well i guess by the fact that there's women that are scientists you could say yeah, that, like, oh, that that they're they're they're, they're educated saying, and therefore they're saying like, well, these women, they know things, they practice what scientific evaluation. That is clearly feminism. Most that you know that's 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 wishful thinking that most women are educated. What you know? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Pushing a bullshit PC feminism agenda. There's no. Actually, I honestly didn't you see you don't see the part halfway through the film where they burned their bras and mm. and I missed that one, but I definitely would yeah. could see where other people are and, getting that from. And then, then slaughtered men. Yeah, yeah, they killed a bunch <laughs> of men. Yeah, Cast, no. castrated them and hung them, you know, from the highest trees in New York City, so all men could be put on notice. I mean that they we we talked about this, and it's pretty clear that anybody's who's arguing that agenda uh and literally like really believes in it like i mean we know there's trolls on youtube they, they post all the time for stupid shit but anybody tro- that's... Tro- trolls on the internet period like, yeah. like i said the internet over the years is board chan is not just i would welcome on, trolls on, on, like, our, on, on our for... podcast i'd welcome them <laughs> i welcome you no but like even then though like 
those people that are legitimately arguing, like they really believe that this is a, a, a feminist perspective movie, that it's really marketing like ridiculous ideas of feminism, like the the entirely way too left-sided views of feminism, they clearly have not seen this film. They cl- clearly could not. And nothing have seen from the film. trailer suggests that. No, and nothing from the trailer suggests that. And and to, again, to go back to my original point. If you were to recast it with all men, besides, like like I said, the Judd Apatow gang of Seth Rogen, James Franco, and Paul who would you cast in this? It'd be like a mishmash of male comedians mm-hmm. that would probably not gel well together. What makes the original Ghostbusters so special is the chemistry that Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and Dan Aykroyd have together. That's what makes the film great, is the fact, you know, and Rick Moranis, too. Right. It's that, you know, the comedic chemistry they had together. And Dan and Bill have it because they were on S- you know, SNL together. And Harold Ramis is natu- naturally funny. He's a gifted writer and a gifted comedian. So if they just randomly pull... Like, there's no three comedian... Mainstream Hollywood actors that are also comedians that I think you could pull together that would probably pull- have that same endearing chemistry that they had. Wouldn't even come close. No, it's so and, and I think if you, I were, think we get close. With, you get close with that with this with because they already did a film together. Bride's I mean, made. so it's even and even then, you know, you think of the parallels between Ghostbusters from then and now. You have a lot of SNL cast members in both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have a lot of that same. They run in the same circles um, with all the cameo guest appearances that they have, you know, they're, you know, you see them a lot. They, they're always showing up together. It's kind of like Adam Sandler casting David Spade and, and, Rob, and, Schneider. and Rob Schneider yeah, together. Yeah. It's like they go together and, and that's how it is. And it, it works really well within the Ghostbusters. And I, I don't think that you can deny that whether they have penises or they have vaginas, it doesn't matter. I mean, it just meshes well together. So it, it really, you know, for the most part, within Ghostbusters, their gender doesn't really matter. It wouldn't matter. You could replace them, you could replace every single gender in this film with a different gender, and it wouldn't matter. But, I think we're going to take a break to talk about our beer first, and then we'll really get into the the meat of the, uh, the actual film itself. I hate this painting. I felt uncomfortable ever since it came up from storage. Well, you're probably feeling what Vigo is feeling. Carpathian kitten loss. He's missed his kitten. We'll just put one in here by the cat. Yes, we don't go around altering liable afterwards, Dr. Franklin Gull. Yes, I think Gull. Yes, the, the joyfulness is over. All right, so uh, what have we been drinking of late? Something new. Something different. Something exciting. I think um, this is really the only new thing that I've had recently. It's not ecto-cooler. You did have ecto-cooler, though, today. It was good. You had an ecto-cooler and a uh, key lime slime Twinkie. Thanks to me. Yeah, you're welcome. You're, no, you're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, before we get into the beer, um, I have a YouTube video channel for the moon is dead world.net. It's youtube.com slash C slash the moon is a dead world net. Wow, could you make that extension any longer? It has to be that long. They have to have the C in it. It's, it's YouTube requirements. It's just from the simple days da- like MySpace. If you want to go to somebody's MySpace page, it's just myspace.com and backslash their username. I wish it was like that, but it's, it's not. It's just nice and simple. But anyway, I have a YouTube uh, video page, and uh, I was going to do a ecto-cooler and 
key lime slime Twinkie. Uh, you are food video. Well, you're going to. You're going to do a Ryan tries. I was, but I'm gonna. I was gonna do it with Martin, and he decided that he didn't want to be on the. I video. told you before I didn't want to be in it. No, no, you saved it for today when no. you said you no you no you didn't say anything about it before, and then I waited for you, and then when we have the time, you said no, no, I'm not gonna do it. So, <laughs> so I still have not had my ecto cooler that I've been holding on to, waiting for Martin to do a video, and now he's not gonna do it. Yeah, I thought it was good. Tastes so. How is the key lime slime Twinkie? Tastes like a Twinkie. Good, except a little bit harder. But like yeah, said, but but, but, but like what I about said, the key lime slime in in the middle? Uh, tastes like a regular Twinkie filling. Really? Doesn't taste different to me. But like I said, I don't mm. like Twinkies to begin with, so mm. it, they don't do shit for me anyway. Huh. So I just like mm, tastes like sugar to me and hard sponge cake. Interesting. Interesting. You might. I mean, you have a more sophisticated palate, so Maybe. you. Might be able to discern the difference between a Twinkie and a, reg- and a Ghostbusters Twinkie, but to me, I, I would never get one. I don't like Twinkies. You know, the one that I did not get was the white marshmallow, or the white chocolate marshmallow Twinkie. Uh, that's like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man one, supposed to be. Uh, it has a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man on the box. I did not get that one because I don't really like white chocolate that much. It's supposed to be a white chocolate marshmallow? It's like, it's like white chocolate... Covered with covered over a regular Twinkie with the marshmallow with like the regular filling. Yeah, it's still sponge cake with just cream. Fat. Basically, I don't like white chocolate. So I, I like what I like white chocolate, but I don't like th- like filling and sh- like like a Boston cream donut. Ugh, di- diabetes. No, fa- no thank uh, you. Yeah, no, th- no thank I'm you. I'm not a huge fan of Boston cream donuts, but I will eat them. I will eat them. I, ugh, I don't like. I mean, it's just. I can smell the diabetes on it, so it doesn't do anything for me. It's just, ugh, no. But but what we're drinking today, and I just cracked another one. Uh, we went, to, after the movie last night, we went to Price Chopper, and we Martin was really interested in getting something for his beverage. And we happened to see that New Belgium was in our store. And uh, for those of you who don't know, we don't normally have New Belgium around here. I think, like I said, from what I could see, I thought they might have been bought out by a bigger beer company, because now, uh, it wasn't until this past, like, in the beginning of this year that I started seeing their stuff everywhere. Right, I mean... But I, but I haven't seen anything that says they got bought out by somebody, so it, they might just be finally, like, ma- like you know, making a stronger presence in New York, because around february and january is when i started seeing their fat tire everywhere just like new belgium's fat tire fat tire fat tire like everybody like even like stewart shops is carrying uh new belgium fat tire now right so i thought they might have gotten bought out i don't know if they did or not i don't think they did i don't think they did they're a uh, colorado based uh, brewery i think they're just making a bigger presence you know just mm. exporting to different places now. So, yeah, it's become, you know, I'm uh, pretty big around here, like, just, like, seeing them. And one of them that they ha- and I am interested in trying their fat tire, which is an amber ale. Yeah, I haven't that, had it. Those look good. But they also have a tangerine IPA, their citradelic, which is also, it's not just summer, it's year-round. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I got. This is very good. Yeah. This is fantastic. I, I like this it. a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you definitely get a lot of the tangerine flavor on initial swig. 
Um, and it's not it's not too hoppy like an IPA. Like no. th- so to me, I, as I was telling you, I describe it best as like a tangerine pale ale because it's got more of a pale ale characteristic to it. The hops aren't overpowering. It's got a great balance between the citrusy tangerine taste and the hops. You get that nice tangerine crispness, and yeah. then and then some hops on the back end. It's very refreshing, especially in the sweltering, humid days we've been having of late. It's been nothing but ninety and humid as all hell up around here. So, and I'll tell you that it's pretty sweltering in the room that we record our podcast in. Yeah. So, so this is very good. It was kind of expensive. It was fifteen ninety nine for the twelve pack. It's not that bad though. It's like a dollar more than what we would normally pay for like a Sam Adams. But it's it's still good. I would get the, I would get this again. This, this, this I'm pretty keen on this. I'm uh, I'm pretty interested in trying the fat tire. Um, I know that they just recently released like a anniversary edition of the fat tire with all different kinds of artwork on them, like different colors of the bikes and stuff. Hmm. Um, so I would be interested. Like you would be interested because you collect the beer bottles a lot. So that might be something that you'd be interested in. Yeah, I do. I definitely uh, like a good beer bottle. That's why I bought that pack of Guinness when they had the two cans on them. Mm-hmm. Even though I wasn't interested in them at all, I was like, well, it's got the nice two can on it. It's retro. It's... So, I would be interested in getting that. I also like how the um, fat tire comes in cans. Because I'm a big yeah. can guy right now for uh, summer. I, I, I like cans a lot for the summer. I, I agree. Um, you know, when you're... Even when I'm at home, I'd rather have a can in a bottle, to be honest with you. Yeah, I like, mean, I like, definitely I, like, like, like I, I know beer sometimes can taste better in a bottle. Like I know when I bought like regular Jenny in a, a twelve pack in a bottle instead of cans, I'm kind of like, wow, it does taste better in the bottle mm. than a can. But at the same time, am I ever going to be like go out of my way? No, because cans are just so much more convenient and they are really less, convenient, less of a hassle. Like when I'm out in the ki- like yesterday, we went out in the kayak and we brought a whole cooler's worth of cans on uh, my mother-in-law's boat. So they have like a blow-up boat. Yeah. It's a lot easier to transport the can than it is to do a bottle. Yeah. Then you're out there. How am I going to pop it? You know, it's it's a lot easier. So, but yes, the citrus duck is really good. I like it a lot. At first, I didn't notice that tangerine flavor, but then on the second tasting, that initial swig, you really get a lot of that tangerine, and then you get the hops after. I like that. I think that's good. So. Other than that, I haven't had anything recently besides a full sale IPA, which was good. They have a lot more of what you would call like the cat piss hops, those ones that really smell a lot like cat piss, um, but still good. Not the best IPA I've had, but full sales IPA is pretty good as well. So I like that one. That one I picked up as like just a single bottle at Price Chopper, which they do do. So, but anything else that you've had recently? Nope. Nope. We no. We're not very adventurous right now. No, we're getting old. We're settling. You know what I wanted we're starting, to, we're starting to settle in our ways. Well, what I wanted to do was join like a beer of the month club, but they're so fucking expensive. I don't have the money for that. They're so me? expensive. It's like, like it's thirty. Like, it's, it's like bacon of the month. Well, like yeah, that sounds great. Do I want to pay like sixty bucks a month? Basically, or, yeah. no, no, thank you. Or, yeah, it's like fifty bucks a month, and you only get a twelve pack. So you're paying for the it's, export and, like, and maybe cost. In like a t-shirt. Yeah. Like yeah, I, like I, I spent sixty bucks on a fucking. You know, if anybody wants to sign Blood and Black Rum Podcast up for a Beer of the Month Club, we'd be happy to cover them. Or like a Scotch of the Month Club. <laughs> I know you said you yeah. wanted to do that, too. I mm-hmm. can't imagine how much that mm-hmm. would cost. Like, mm-hmm. We'd be 
happy to do it. <laughs> we would definitely cover it. We so would, We would oblige you. That is right. There should be a port for an Ethernet cord. Plug one end of the Ethernet cord into your PC, the other end into a hub or router. Then get ready to share files, music, even your internet connection. But what if there's bears? Well, Neil Casey, that's a good question. But I don't have an answer to what if there's bears. Unfortunately, all I've got is some, some context for Ghostbusters, the movie. <laughs> so, I wanted to start out even, like, we've done a lot of, like, pussyfooting around with the film itself. But I did, I did want to share a little uh, story before we get into the, the Ghostbusters movie about when I went to the theater to see Ghostbusters. So when I go to the theater, I always try to order something because they make a lot of their money off of when you're ordering things from their concession stand, you know. That's how they make money. That's right. They don't, make, don't, want, they don't make shit off tickets. That's No, they don't. <laughs> but I don't want candy. If I did want candy, I'd buy the Raisinets, but I don't want candy. And I see, and see, and, and see, there's a pause for everyone that's listening calling you an asshole <laughs> because nobody likes raisin nuts except you and like one other person because they're soulless grapes covered in chocolate. They're delicious. It's Shang Tsung took the soul out of a grape <laughs> and made a raisin. I love raisin nuts. They're so good. <sighs> covered in chocolate. They're so good. You're missing out on mm, life. No, I mean, I like other candy too, but raisin nuts, they are delicious. You picked the thing. I like, I like goobers too. You like Rolos? I do like Rolos. I mean, I like Rolos too, but like, you pick, yeah. old, you pick old people candy. I do, like, I do, like, you're right. I went to the movies, what did I have? I had some snow caps and some... I like non-parels. And some, and some, uh, Werther's Originals. I like Werther's as well. Oh you're naming all the candies that <laughs> oh I like. Oh my god. Yeah, but, uh, did you grow up during the Great Depression? <laughs> were you, were you one of the kids out in the Grapes of Wrath going like, oh, we're going up to California anyway? Yes. Uh, yes, you're John, right. John Steinbeck. I used wrote, all my stamps on them. Yeah, John, Ste- John Steinbeck wrote about your family huh. traveling out to California during the Dust Bowl because you, you sit there and suck on butterscotch. And... I do. I like that stuff. Oh, God. Anyway, though, um, so I was at the movie theater. We were going to see Ghostbusters, and I wanted to get something. Normally, I get a coffee there, and that's because I just like drinking coffee. I like drinking coffee at night. Well, see, I like coffee, too, but I had the good sense not to get it at a fucking movie theater. Anyway, our our uh, our movie theater—they never have coffee ready, and I was prepared for that. I was. Well, I, well, I, I, was, I was the same. When we prefaced in the beginning that only twelve people on opening weekend went to see a major summer film. Yeah, how many people do you think ordered coffee at that? None. Not a single <laughs> zero, one. zero people. Yeah. So, but I ordered coffee, and um, so none of the people at the. Well, you should pre- you should preface that again. None of the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all they're all teenagers. None of those teenagers knew how to make coffee at all. So I was not. I not only paid for the coffee, but I basically made it myself as well because I told him how to make it. So I don't want to make this sound bad for the the kid that was there, but you know he was actually he was a pretty good sport about it. But still, he had literally no idea how to make coffee. I mean, literally. He asked if the grounds were in the thermos. That is how much he did not know how to make coffee. Are the grounds in the thermos? I, I responded, no, I don't think you keep your grounds well, in the I, thermos. I was helping with that, too, because I worked at a coffee shop before this. So, so. Yeah. But um, I best described it to you as like the SpongeBob episode where SpongeBob's trying to explain to Patrick how to open a pickle jar. 
and Patrick's just befuddled by it, and he and he has to try all different areas before and he can't can figure even... it out. Like, well, hey, 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 go sweep the floor, and he goes to sweep the floor, and he's using the you know the fuck not the broom, he's using the broom <laughs> handle, and got to have a guy come up to me like, hey, buddy, you're just blowing from stupid town. That's, that's that's basically what he was doing because, like, on a on he was a... slow he was slowly reaching like for like like okay now you got I because I remember you said okay so the filter's got to go into the cof- the coffee holder and he grabs like the pump the pump pot and like the <laughs> the the feeding tube for the pump pot and he's like. This like no no not that <laughs> he's still touching the pump pot. It's like no the coffee maker's over there. You want to grab? I was like that's where the coffee's gonna go. <laughs> you're, you're, a... you're you're five steps ahead. On on you got you got to focus your attention on the coffee make on the coffee maker to grab the the holder that you put the filter in where you put the coffee grounds in that and you then bo- like, so it's boiling down to like a Bill Cosby. So so making coffee became a relay race though because this kid then handed off to another girl who also did not know how to make coffee. But we got as far as the grounds were in the coffee pot. There was the thermos underneath the coffee pot so there was a place for the coffee to go. Really? And we pressed the on button. But no one thought to mention to me, who is and Martin, who were basically making this coffee from a distance behind the counter, around the counter, that the coffee thermos already had coffee in it. So no one thought like maybe someone already made coffee. Why well, is this thermos fucking there, twenty pounds? Maybe maybe there's water in it because they were cleaning it out. Right, exactly. No so. one no one thought about that. So so the girl says to us, oh. This this is full. There's coffee in it. It's like there's coffee in it. Like first of all, why did we go through the bother of making more coffee? There's coffee in it. But also, shit, this is going to overflow. The girl says this. She's like, this is going to overflow. It's already full. It's going to overflow. So Martin and I are like standing there going, you should probably grab a popcorn bucket or something, you know, so that you can catch the overflow. And most sensible people well, they would go grab the, the, the popcorn bucket because it's a good idea. I will, you know, I'll give us the benefit of the doubt here. This was a good idea. Well, I, well, because they're like, should I turn it off? And they turn, they turn it off. They hit the off button. And like, problem solved, but it's still running. And I, as I said, because, again, worked at a coffee shop, it's, I go, it's going to keep running. You just turn the electricity off to the water to keep it hot. You're, once you got the thing running, it's going to run until the water that's needed to make that pot is done running. And it's just going. It's just going. And like, what do I do? It's overplugged. What do I do? And it's like, you might want to grab something if you just move the pot and then you're going to scald your hand from the hot, you know, from that, the was hot lit- that was literally a suggestion that Martin had. He's like, please don't move the pot because you will burn yourself. This was like a... You know when McDonald's puts on the coffee cups, it's like, caution, this will burn well, you? Well, they, well, they, they, they don't, in the coffee cups, it's not hot as McDonald's coffee used to be. Right, right. It's not that no. hot, but it, it will still burn. You, right. will, you will still be in pain. Well, but and... what I'm saying is, like, when people read that, it says, caution, this will burn you. It's like, yes, I know, because it's fucking hot coffee. I ordered it hot. I'm assuming that it will burn you. But you can't assume. You can't assume someone will know that that coffee is going to be fucking hot. Because this girl well, was going to pull well, that away. Well, because like I said, she turned it off, so she's probably thinking, eh, it's not going to hot. No, it's already going, Wayne. It's already been 
at that temperature, it's go, it's gonna it's coming out hot whether you want it to or not. It's hot. It's, it's everything after that will be you know cold because there's no there's no current direct you know to keep it heated. So, so very long story short, I did end up getting my coffee. I did end up getting it hot. Everything worked out in the end. I don't know. It was caramel toffee. It was caramel toffee. I got like a flavored version of coffee as well. No, no cream or sugar though. She did not get scalded. It did not overflow. So everything turned out okay. I don't know if I ended up selling that coffee. But, but she didn't put your lid on all the way. No. Which. I was paying attention. I watched her just basically sit on there. She didn't say anything. That that could have went all over you, and then you would have been burned. It could have. Which is like kind of idiotic. Like, why won't Why won't you put the lid on? But on? I I check. Yeah, because you, I, I you even told her you, no, no no cream, cream or sugar. You're just gonna take it black. And that's right. So why wouldn't you put the? That's right. That's just reckless abandoning, right there. So that was our Ghostbusters. Even before we got into the film, that was our like kind of like carnival. And we're done. That's it, yeah. All right, that's all we got for Ghostbusters. <laughs> Catch you next time. No, um, yeah, we got. I guess we got to talk about the movie then, right? You sound we, so we, we, We've come you sound, this far. You sound, you sound like that's you because have... I just don't buy into these feminazis. <laughs> nah, I'm joking. I'm just joshing. I'm playing. I think Sarah out there heard you say that. Probably she's probably head. fucking throwing my mugs on the floor or something. <laughs> she's cleaning out her mug shelf. She's throw, I'm having anxiety from what she's throwing away here, but anyway, we'll get to Ghostbusters. So, alright, let's start out with the characters. So, you don't want to start with the plot? Nope. People know the plot. There's fucking ghosts, and people are well, fucking trying to fucking catch those ghosts. <laughs> well, you don't know, because... They're it, busting them. It, well, I was going to say, is, is it... Is it a remake or like is those basically the original plot except slightly different or are they taking a whole new? All right, I see what you're getting at here. You want to run the podcast? You run the podcast. <laughs> I'll be your supporter. There you go. People want me anyway. They don't like nah, you. I'm just kidding. They don't like you. Yeah, they have. I have gotten a few complaints. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Okay. Yeah. So we can start with the plot. Yeah. No. It's not a. It's not a remake per se. Like it's not the exact plot. I would. Of... Say, I would say it follows the exact trope. It's basically tropes. Every, every main point from the. I would say like it. Do, it does, because it's basically every main point from the original. It's here. It's paranormal activity happens. A certain you know one of the team of the Ghostbusters is uh, contacted. They get together. They try to figure it out. They become famous. Government wants them to, you know, be silent and people, you know, take them as a joke. Save the day. Hooray, Ghostbusters. So you're saying it is a remake? It is. It's, the same, it's literally the same arc as the original one, except slightly tweaked. It's like mainly the jokes are different and... It's it's literally all the same. It's all the same points, except they just take a different route to get there. I can see that. Yeah, you should see because it it's what it is. It's, yeah, it's I can, like, like I said when we talk about like like the ending and stuff. It's like literally the same ending, except insert a different villain. I can see that. I I think that it combines some of both films. It does have some Ghostbusters too. Yeah, it? I think. You know, I think that it's taking the best of both. And when I say the best of both, I mean, I think that Ghostbusters 2 is is actually a, a lot less 
of like critically acclaimed like lauded even i know a lot of people think nostalgically that ghostbusters 2 they like it a lot but at the same time i've read a lot of uh complaints about that film a lot of people don't like it yeah I like it though, because like I said, that, I like it. That's the one I remember, like I said, the most because that's that, a nostalgia thing, though. You're clouded. I think even if I'd watched, I I've watched it like recently, like in the past like couple of years, and I still like it. So I it's mean, not like the Lost World. I'm, no, it's not. Which we covered last week. I think I think I know I can. That's a film I can see its flaws, but at the same time, I can see it's it's not it's not anywhere near as bad as what. People make it out to be. Mm-hmm. So Ghostbusters two, you can see its flaws, but also you enjoy it for what it but is. But I, I can enjoy. I didn't say I didn't like the Lost World, and I didn't yeah, say I, I didn't recognize its flaws. I do, but like I, I can see with like Ghostbusters two, like how it's flawed, and I can, I can still enjoy it though. I doesn't. I don't look at it and be like, this is a piece of shit. Yeah, because it's not. It's because. Like the Lost World, it hits all the same notes as the original one, but not as well. It's, you know, it's like, it's doing what a sequel for it should do, but not doing it any near as well as it needs to do. Because you gotta remember, a sequel of like a very successful film like that has to be damn near perfect to be considered, you know, to have any as chance good as the original. to be considered as great. Like, like for Godfather Part 2 to be considered as good as, like, to be... Well, not as good, but... I mean, Godfather Part 2 is probably better than The Godfather. But to be... For most people probably watching it, like, for that to even have a chance, it's gotta be perfect. Same thing with with Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back, the sequel to A New Hope, is considered as the best one out of all the Star Wars. But for that to even, like, be considered, it has to be so... Like, it has to be perfect. There's any, like, small fuck-up in the film, people are gonna be like, Ah, you know... So, and that's like, and that's what all sequels to great first films have to deal with. Right. Indiana Jones, with Raiders of the Lost Ark, people are like, oh, it's great, it's perfect. And Temple of Doom, they kind of change the tone in it. And people are like, oh, that's not, no, that's, no, that's, that's not as good as Raiders. And then with Last Crusade, they had to go back to more of that Raiders style. And like, oh, it's great. So, I, I think it's trial and error. And like, with a sequel that comes to a film that's so greatly praised, you have, you have, like, perfection has to be basically achieved for it to be even considered within the realm of the original. And now, is that fair? No, but it's, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Because people are already, you know, tinted with nostalgia and love for the original, so expectations are going to be high. Right. So as um, you know, as a remake of the original Ghostbusters, do you think that the plot for this new Ghostbusters succeeds? Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it does what like RoboCop was the remake does. It's basically a retread, you know, the original except slightly different. It does, it does it, with Evil Dead, same thing. It's all it's hits the same points, but they're taking a more modern take and twist on it. So. Mm-hmm. In that sense, yeah, it, it does succeed. I I don't think the plot in this film is the main concern, right? The main thing you're gonna give a damn about or anything like that. It's the character interaction and their reactions that are going to make the film memorable. So I mean, let's break it down. I mean, we have Aaron Gilbert, who's played by uh, Kristen Wiig. She's basically our main character. She's the one that we start out with throughout the film. 
right at the beginning of the film. That's, mm-hmm. that's the one we get. She's um, a mathematician. She's a physicist. a physicist who is going for tenure at a, a prestigious college. Columbia. And she is also the author of a paranormal research book that she shared authorship uh, with uh, one of her friends, Abby Yates, uh, played by Melissa McCarthy. So they both share authorship on that, and um, Abby has actually been marketing it on Amazon. So it's kind of putting uh, Aaron's um, uh, tenure tenure at risk because it's not technically what like a prestigious college would consider uh, like an authentic scientific research project. I mean, if you if you're uh, studying physics, you're not believing in the paranormal. You're not believing in ghosts. So. Aaron seeks out Abby to make sure that she will pull her book, and Abby, working with Jillian Holtzman, played by Kate McKinnon, um, is actually in the midst of studying some paranormal research and some, um, you know, some new techniques that uh, Holtzman has created uh, based on nuclear research and things like that. And uh, so they actually get all get pulled into this one. In particular case, because Aaron was approached by uh, one of the owners of this uh, museum slash touristy attraction within New York City that is supposedly haunted by ghosts. So, yes, you're right. It, that whole premise is is really you know even though it has its its um, differences, that's that's a similar premise to the original Ghostbusters. Just inside a library, and that's right. And even you know. Um, when we talk about that library part of it, that that opening sequence, uh, Ghostbusters the remake does have an opening sequence that's similar to that. Um, maybe we'll start there. Uh, no, no. Let me back up. Let me start with did you did you like the film? Yeah, I did. And I, was, I, I I didn't think I would like it, but no, I I liked it. I, Thought, I thought it was serviceable. And I will concur. I did like it. Um, I thought it was... You know, the more I look at it, the more fond that I grow of it, actually. You know, uh, I think we are... As reviewers, as people who have experienced so many remakes, we're kind of, like, designed now... To be jaded. To be jaded, to be like, wow, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to withhold judgment until after I've seen it, but I'm not expecting much from it. And, you know, that I was coming out of it. I was, you know, you know, I was very pleasantly surprised by the end result. I I totally was. Like I said, when I was watching it, there are times where I'm like trying to hold back, like from wanting to laugh. And it's like, nah, I can't. That, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's like, and I think that's that preconceived bias that you you get from all the the naysayers that you see. It's like, no, you can't like this film if you like the original Ghostbusters. Well, fuck that. I can like this film and I can like the original Ghostbusters. No, I, I I understand that, and I I totally agree. I don't think like just because you like one, you can't like the other. But at times it's like mm, I shouldn't find this one. It, it it's okay. That's fine. It is yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It's like. And, you know, the reason that I bring that up is because I wanted to talk, as we're going to get into that first scene, I want to talk about some of the flaws 
of the film. So I didn't want to give any kind of, you know, bias towards that we, you know, I didn't want anybody to think when we talk about these flaws that we didn't actually like Ghostbusters because I really did. I did like Ghostbusters, the film. Um, I, I just, we, I wanted to t- bring up these flaws at first just to show, you know, some of the things that do go wrong within this film. Um, that, that opening sequence we're talking about, it, it corresponds with the library scene within the first Ghostbusters, which I really loved. I loved that library scene. Every time I come back to I remember distinctly seeing it. I think I was in like fifth grade, maybe seeing it at, at uh, Alex's house. I remember seeing that. Um, very, I love that scene. Uh, was scared by it, honestly. Um, in that first part of the, the film. So I distinctly remember seeing that and it stuck with me. Uh, in in the new Ghostbusters in this remake, I don't think that opening scene is is polished. I I don't think that it. I I almost feel like it doesn't even fit within this film itself. Man, it's an afterthought. It is, and I I think that it's unfortunate because everything else seems to fit very well together, but this this opening. I, I want to say that it, it almost feels like it, it shouldn't have been included. It, it Well, yeah, I think if they just edited it a different way, it would have been more palatable to watch it. Because, as, like I said, like when the tour guy is giving the tour, that's all fine and dandy, but then when he goes, like, oh, the basement door that's supposed to be locked opens up, and he goes down there, and then it just, it all, like, as soon as he goes down to the basement, it becomes so disjointed with the way it cuts itself, and the way The, it, the edits are yeah. the big issue, because I talked about it, there's a scene where, uh, and this is Zach Woods, who you probably know from um, The Office, uh, playing Gabe, later seasons of The Office. Um, who I do enjoy. I like him a lot, actually. I like his delivery. Uh, I think he's a good comedian. But um, there's a scene where he goes down into this basement, supposedly haunted. The door opens for him. Um, and he's observing as there's this ectoplasmic fluid leaking from the floor. Which looks awful, by the way. It does. It does look the awful. Whole, the it whole, looks the, very not... It, the, yeah. whole, the whole... The basement floor being cracked and like the green light looks like a fucking PlayStation game. It, like, it really original does, yeah. PS One game. It yeah. do, it does it, and that and that's something I will say for the most part that is a strike against this film. The CGI does not look good for the most part at all. I mean, in this in this sequence, it doesn't. In the later sequences, I'm willing to give it a pass because it is kind of the goofier aspect of it. Like it's meant to be kind of. No, I know it's not supposed to be goofy. But even, even like in this, it's like. Oh, that, that, that looks bad. I mean, I will say that that opening scene, yes, that it does look. I will agree that it does look very bad. Um, but the biggest thing is that there's a scene where he kind of, you know, he's first you see him reacting to it, then you see him holding up his hands and they're covered in ectoplasm, and really we we haven't seen anything where he's put his hands into it. So that editing is very suspect. I and it doesn't feel fluid. It doesn't feel well, the whole, like I said the whole and the whole thing is like very today. Cuz he go he like cuz like oh no cuz he's upstairs and he's like oh no there's a ghost chasing me. And after he knows as soon as he goes down to the basement he shouldn't be down there. His reaction is totally kind of like a wily e. coyote moment like oh shit, I shouldn't be down here. Like I made, I made a bad decision. Right. Like, you know, he, all he needs is a sign saying, like, uh-oh. And then he's like, 
goes down and he looks at the you know the ground being cracked and the you know the green light coming out from it and all of a sudden he's got the ectoplasm on hand and he tries to run up the stairs and then they start falling down that looks very bad too and it's and eventually it ends with nothing really happening because they meet him on the street later on. And he just he just says like, "Oh, this is gonna he suck." His pants. Yeah, he's just like it. he's just like, "Oh, this is gonna suck." And then like, ah, and then you hear digging in it, then it, digging in it, then it. You know. Yeah, it, I mean, I I think that that is one of the biggest flaws with this this film is that that opening sequence. If if you went into this film. Already biased, like ready to walk out any minute. You would have walked out after that. You I like, agree. You would have been like, no, no. I agree. I, I think that was probably one of the worst moments of the film. And that's unfortunate because it does have some of the funnier lines in the film that are really downplayed. Thanks, very downplayed. Thanks to Zach Woods. I mean, he, it's, it's a very quick delivery right at the beginning where he talks about anti-Irish fences and some of the, some of the other stuff. Because uh, to preface this. The haunted mansion in New York City is like one from the middle nineteenth century, mm-hmm. and so he's down there and he's giving the tour and he's talking about like how this rich man had, you know, certain defenses and he's like, yeah, there's this defense to keep, you know, people out and we had anti-Irish fence and if you know anything about American history, like most people are probably like, what, what, like anti-Irish fence, what? Is, what? If you know anything about American history, back when we had the big Irish immigration back that in the you know eighteen forties and eighteen fifties, people weren't welcoming the Irish to America. Like, oh yeah, come to America, yeah. Yeah, kind white people. Like, oh, they're fucking Catholics and heathens. Get the hell out of America. Yeah, you know, it had nice racial slurs for them, like Mick. You know, a lot of people don't realize that, and it's yeah. And that that and so that goes along with that, and that like is like it's hilarious playing that context. He put he down he totally downplays it, and that's one of the moments where I was telling you where it's like I tried not laugh, I laugh because like that, that's really funny. Yeah, that that that's really that's like really that's really good. That's that's like a that's subtle. That's a subtle humor that like a lot of people probably won't pick up on. It's it's one of those I guarantee it's one of the jokes they wrote in the film like they were probably laughing to themselves right? yeah and they're probably like a lot of people probably aren't gonna get this but we'll put it in there right it's it's probably like with the fart joke later on probably like a lot of people probably will laugh at this like you know kind of like the lower brow but they're then they're but they're also gonna be a great proportion of people like oh it's fucking low brow so they won't laugh at it mm-hmm. so that's like more of a divisive joke but I guarantee it, they wrote this joke in there like. Well, we think this funny and not the smart, not smart, but like pe- people who are paying attention are going to find, you know. Right, exactly. If you're paying attention right at the beginning there, you're going to find that funny. Yeah. And I, I, de- I definitely did. And that's one of the funniest lines in the movie. Right, exactly. I, and, I that, gotta... and, and that's, and that's not like a, like a, a discredit to this film. This no, day, no. That that's one of the funniest lines because it's, it's some, it is a subtle humor that you would find in it's the very original. quick I would say and, it's like a minute into the film you and, know it's very but it's a subtle humor and a quick and kind of innocuous humor that you would find in the original Ghostbusters like a lot of the f- funny things in the original Ghostbusters is the fact that it's very they're very just quick little one liners by either like Bill Murray or Dan Aykroyd or uh, Harold Ramis that are just like really quick and like you know really on the nose and they, but they keep moving on they don't sit there and say the line like kind of look at the camera and like this is where you're supposed to laugh type right, of thing right and I mean 
you know, we're 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 kind of far into this podcast, so I want to get I want to get a little farther in, but but um, yeah, I mean, some of those we'll, we'll talk about the comedy a little bit. I mean, some of those one-liners are really good. Um, I think that for the most part, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, they're both playing versions of themselves that they very often play within films. Um, well, Melissa McCarthy's well, that, a little bit more downplayed than she normally is. She's not as sarcastic, not as like mean spirited as she normally would be within a lot of those those yeah. films that she does for like Judd Apatow's yeah. company and stuff like and, that. And Kirsten Wiig is very like straight and yeah, Kristen Wiig's always very straight character. Um, and here she does, and she kind of has those moments of like SNL character sort of things where you know, especially when it comes to. Um, like their receptionist, um, you know, well, how she reacts. Yeah, yeah exactly. T- totally like an SNL skit. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, I, I wouldn't say that's a detriment because I mean, the writers and like the, a lot of the, like, you know, players in this are kind of like SNL experience. So uh-huh. it totally makes, it, it makes sense. I, I would say, cause again, like it's it, kind of throwback. If this was like Seth, like who else would you cast this? Like Seth Rogen, they would be doing the same things. It'd be Seth Rogen doing Seth Rogen's shtick. It'd be Paul Rudd doing Paul Rogen's. It, it'd be no matter who you casted right. in this film, they would be basically playing the tropes of themselves that you would know. Like even if it was like Will Ferrell and Luke Wilson and Vince Vaughn, it'd be like Vince Vaughn, but ah yeah, uh, yeah, you know, like, right, yeah, right. Yeah, I gotta bang this check, and Will Ferrell would be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah ghost, yeah. Oh, this is great, yeah. Yeah, I, I and, and that's so. I, I don't take points off for you know them being kind basically of, fulfilling the their trope, their right? ideas that they've normally had within a lot of their comedic movies. I yeah, mean, it, it's 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 what you should expect, and I I mean I could see how some people who find Melissa McCarthy a little grating would not enjoy Ghostbusters, but at the same time, I do feel I don't think like she's they've, a star they've, of it. Well, right, but I mean, I'm saying that she plays a similar character to who she normally plays, but I think they definitely have minimized it to the point where, like, she's not as aggressive, she's not as over-the-top here. Um, you know, she can be sarcastic, but she's also kind of a normalized character. She's not, you know, going would... out of her way to be annoying. No, I, I agree. I would say, to the detriment of the film, actually, it's the fact that she's not one of the stronger parts of the film. She's she's supposed to be reminiscent of Bill Murray's, you know, Peter Venkman. I would say, yeah. That's that's the role she's supposed to fulfill in this, but she hasn't really had the witty one-liners. She, she's nowhere near as funny in this film. And, and I'm not blaming her. No. I, I, she's just nowhere near as funny as Bill was in Ghostbusters films. She doesn't fulfill that role anywhere near as good as Bill does in the Ghostbusters films. And I, and I think that all just has to do kind of with how she portrays the character herself. But I don't think that... I don't think that her being a weak link in this film is a bad thing necessarily because, I like I said, I think the best part of this whole film, character-wise... In acting is, I think Kate McKinnon's great in this. Yeah, film. I think she's hilarious. Yeah, we haven't talked about Kate at all, but like her, like her for me by miles is what makes the comedy like the one-liners in this re- really funny. She is supposed to be 
Harold Ramis. She's supposed to be like the Egon Spangler. Right. But but unlike Egon, where Harold Ramis is like Dan Aykroyd in the original, a straight man, but he's kind of a goofier straight man, the fact that he's a scientist and he has all the techno babble that makes him, you know, humorous. And then she's got that techno babble and all that, but then she's her personality quirks and traits are what make her character hilarious. Right. It's because she's not just like a quirky. She's ex- totally eccentric in this film. Yeah, like totally eccentric. Um, not realizing how often ridiculous she is, and I think that the film really plays that up. They realize that. Kate McKinnon and Holtzman as a character is really going to drive this film for the comedic aspect. I mean, you can you can you know do all you want with like the straight character, but really when it comes to like the eccentric characters like um, Holtzman, you're going to get the most bang for your buck out of that. And I think that they really do make the most of it with the one-liners that she gets with um, all of Kate McKinnon's expressions they're great i mean you could just watch I her la- doing all I, of those yeah. expressions i laughed every just... time like she like said something and she like give like a little yeah w- wink like she's like like she is perver- like proverbially winking at the audience like yeah this yeah is, exactly yeah, like this I mean, is, like, even, like this is where you're supposed to laugh even this. with the dance scene which could have been you know very cringeworthy i think that she really she really pulled it off with all of the ridiculous dance moves that she's doing um you know that it, is something that again, like you talked about, like you don't want to laugh at, but you really just can't not yeah. because of her. You know, I mean, it's something that's like uh, this is kind of juvenile. You know, this has been done before, dance scenes when an inappropriate time. Um, but it, but again, Kate McKinnon really pulling it off because she's doing it in such a way that it's just difficult not to laugh. I mean, she's really fueling that. Yeah, and I think. Um... Out of all, out of all the main characters of the cast, like I would say, Leslie Jones, you know, she, funnier Ernie Hudson, yeah, she, definitely, because she's supposed, she's the fish out of water, exactly. Um, but she, she does play it well. But like I said, I th- I think uh, Kate McKinnon is what is totally the glue that keeps the humor going. Exactly, because it's. Because, I mean, I, Melissa McCarthy's, like, funniest lines are her bitching about her Chinese food. Yeah. That's, like, her, that's, like, literally, that's literally the funniest parts of her bitching, like, she gets wonton soup and she's bitching, there's only one wonton in her soup. Right. It's funny, I, I admit, that's, like, that is funny, but at the same time, it's, I can't, like, I don't look at, like, what she did anywhere near to be as humorous. And I, I think that is because she was probably put on a leash, like. Yes, this is, I, I like, think it was. I think like they the, held her back a little bit from... From being the kind of, you know... Because uh, I think if she was to play a total bitch, people would be totally... Be turned off by... They'd be like, see? This is, this is women being bitching. And like, when they're yeah. not supposed... Yeah. yeah, I can see that. I <laughs> like, so can. I think they had to reel her back. So yeah. it'd be like, you know, you can't do your usual stick. Because if, if you do, people aren't going to take to it too well. And so I, so I think... I think the it does have a nice a nice balance with uh, Kate McKinnon driving the humor, uh, you know. And we're, we're while we're talking about the humor, we might as well just keep going here a little bit. I did feel like Ghostbusters is often um, kind of uneven with its humor. Like you'll get sometimes that are really funny and like one liners that are really great. I can think of a few moments within Ghostbusters that are very funny, 
that I'm thinking back on and like kind of chuckling to myself so, again. Some of them are pretty like like uh, well, I hate to kind of use the term, but kind of like more like a modern setup. Mm-hmm. Like when you have after when they meet the the man that contacted uh, Kirsten Wig about uh, the ghost at the mansion. And they meet meet him and like yes. and Zach Woods like and then he's like yeah uh, the the guy that owns the mansion's like oh yeah uh, he called me saying he soiled himself and he's like no I didn't he's like like oh it's okay he's like no you really did call me saying oh, oh my god I just crapped myself yeah and it's like it's that, that's like a very mo- like something you see on the off basically the office yeah, yeah. like where, or that or or there was a, the, right in that same scene. Where they mention his name and his name is Ed Mulgrave and they're like, yeah, well, he, you know Ed Mulgrave? You know, he contacted me and he's like, Ed Mulgrave's been dead for 15 years. And they're like, oh my like, god, that's Oh my god, god. it was a ghost. And they're like, you know? like no, like, and he walks up like, who the hell is that? Like, oh, that's Ed Jr. Like, yeah. It's to- the, totally off- office style humor yeah. where you, I can totally see like, it, like especially with like the whole crapping myself thing, like Steve Carell in the office as uh, playing, you know, Michael, if like, he was in that situation and he got scared and... Dwight would be going to, like, gym, like, yeah, you know, he crapped himself. He's like, no, nah, I didn't. And he's like, yeah, no, you, cra- you crapped yourself. He's like, no, nah, I didn't. No, I didn't. And he's yeah. like, yeah, no, I was there. I saw it. And he's like, you know, just, like, embarrassed and, like, walks off or something, you know. It, 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 the style of humor isn't what, like, is not what the original Ghostbusters was. No. It's definitely more in line with, because, I mean, Paul Feig did direct this, and he did do Office episodes, so it definitely feels more like The Office or something more... Or some like, of the some <clears throat> of the other films that he's had with yeah. Melissa McCarthy, they, they definitely feel familiar, especially yeah. since he co-wrote it as well. Um, which which isn't a detriment. No, no, I, no. But I, I think... I think if you like the original Ghostbusters, that, that's going to be something that people are going to be bitching and sour about, because it's like, oh, it's not the, like the original. Right. But at the same time, if you want that original style of humor, it's like they should have just made Ghostbusters 3 while they had the chance with Bill, Dan, Ernie, and Harold. Right. And, but I will say that I do think this Ghostbusters remake is often um, uneven with its humor. I think that sometimes it feels like it was written by two different people, which it was. I mean, it was written by two people, um, you know, not just Paul Feig, but also Kate Dippold. Um not that I'm saying that they wrote it, like, not together. You know, they weren't together when they wrote it. Um, but that often those those comedic moments, for all the ones that do land, there are a majority that don't as well. You know, I mean, I don't... I think you agree when I say, like, sometimes those one-liners really do land and they're very funny. They, they at least initiate a chuckle. And then there are some that really don't hit at all, and they don't have any sort of. And you're just like wow. Any energy behind no, them? No, and you're just like wow. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Exactly. I, it's, I it's, did it's feel li- like that. It's literally like dead air. Like you just exactly. There, like, hmm. like there was. I mean, I, I can think of a few times where there were just lines delivered, and it was like, you know, that is that is just not funny at all. You know, and it was, and those are the lines that made it into the trailer for well, what it's say, worth. Well, I was going to say, some of them, like, well, you know, the whole, the pile of panic compels you. It's like, oh, that's, they definitely wrote that line in there to be in the trailer. You totally can tell that, like, that's one of the lines. they like, well, we need something, you know, to put in the trailer. And they're like, right. oh, I got an idea. Which is another great funny thing is the whole, the trailer in the film, the villain of this film isn't even shown in the trailer. Yeah, he's very uh, very underplayed in this. 
the and the villain himself is is uh, Neil Casey, who we who we mentioned earlier. Um, you know, best known to us as the guy who is in what? But what if there's bears? The uh, Funnier Die video that we've been uh, pretty much obsessed with since we saw it. You know, eight years eight ago. years ago, something like that. But um, yeah, you're right. the The villain himself is not included within that trailer. But he's um, the hilarious. Only, the only person that does get in there as a as a villain, and I use that in uh, quotation marks, is uh, Chris Hemsworth because Chris Hemsworth is beautiful. That's why you get him. You gotta hate beauty. That's right. But no, no, he, he, Neil Casey's hilarious. He's great. He, he plays... doesn't. Get, he doesn't get a lot of screen time. No. But he's hilarious. Like I, I like I like the whole deadpan humor thing. Totally hilarious to me. Just to, like him. Like oh. People made fun of me and they booed me, but I will. I'll show them. I'll show them all. The, four, I, the, four, the fourth cataclysm is coming to end the world, and I'll be the leader. Shut up, you know you shit brain. He's like, okay. I oh. think that um, you know. I think Ghostbusters realizes how generic a character um, he is. He but, is really, but they they are playing it for laughs. Like he is the most ridiculous like character villain that there would be within this film but they are definitely playing it for the the humor in that you know there's a time there's a scene where he actually goes to this heavy metal show and he's he's there standing with a bunch of people wearing you know black and chains and, and they're like and rock you, they're all excited to go yeah, they're all know. really exciting he's like i can't wait to see this metal show and it's rock, just like he's like goes up to me like the devil horns he's like rock on Rock and roll forever, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's played so straight and so dead. It's it's hilarious. It's it's like it's it's perfect. It's it's, it's it. To me, it's like just such because it's such it's such a contrast between what you would normally see it like at a metal show and then him and that dichotomy and the irony of it all is makes it like totally over the top hilarious. To and it, it does feel. A little bit more like this is the original Ghostbusters, like that character. Because you would see, like, if you like were to see a uh, character like that, and that that's how they would do it. You know? Yeah, and so no, that and that totally definitely does you know fit with the the original Ghostbusters. But at the same time, I do think what little screen time he's given to show that character, he he is funny. Oh yeah, he's hilarious. He makes the best of that, and, and I think his his. Playing it straight, deadpan humor works very well. Let's talk about the ghosts and the CGI, which we you said you mentioned a little bit that you didn't really enjoy the CGI here. But uh, what what did you think about like the ghosts and and the actual ghost busting that goes on within this film? I, mean, I think the CGI is pretty crappy. I I I think at some points it does look good, but I think for the most part it's kind of meh. I but, say, but, at the, but at the same time when we're Excuse me. Getting prepared to review this, we were looking for a kind of intro clips, and we watched like the, the you know the clip of Zool being like Zool, and you can see the light bulb in his mouth, like for the light coming from his mouth. It's like, oh, that's a great practical effect. Like that's like like re- that's really clever how somebody probably made this elaborate puppet for the shot, and like oh, he's got to have light coming from. Oh, how do you do that? We just put a fucking light bulb in there, and you know have that illuminate for that, and. You know, that makes it interesting and memorable. And I think for the most part, the only, like, CGI to me that, like, really looked good was, like, when Slimer. And I think they probably took, make, I think they probably made sure to, like, make sure this looks good because 
he's from the original film, and if you don't make this look good, people are going to really bitch about, like, yeah, like, yeah Kramer in your film, he fucking looks like shit. Well, I will say that I did like how solid that the ghosts in in the beginning of the film looked. You know, like the the ghost with the shackles and the, and the electricity. I see, I thought that one looked good, but the first ghost from the mansion, I didn't think, look, I thought that totally... Yeah, the the woman doesn't yeah, look as good. I thought that looked pretty crappy. I, th- I, I think it's pretty hit or miss. It is, and I think it is also based on opinion. Like, I, I mean, I can kind of see... How I, I do kind of like them because I get like a Scooby Scooby Doo kind of feeling from those types of ghosts, like not really meant to be specifically looking real, but just well, no, of... I'm not expecting it to be look real because that's going to be very hard to do. But but my I mean, just like make it be- like believable to, yeah. to the eye. I think that's like. I agree, like especially like the first one. That looks like that could be like in a Scooby Doo like movie. Right? If they're like, oh, like, oh, it's old man Jenkins playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I the biggest thing that bothered me later on in the film, in like the conclusion, and well, actually the climax really, is all of the ghosts that kind of, you know, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. Well, we're reviewing it, so... So, you hopefully gonna, you've seen it. You there's know, there's be... going to be spoilers. But but at the end, once um, Rowan has released, like, all the ghosts into New York City, and they've kind of taken on all different kinds of forms, uh, the one thing I didn't, I, I didn't really like is that all of these ghosts have different forms, and they don't really have a specific, detailed guideline as to why they look the way they do so yeah like one's a gargoyle you know what or like one's like a dragon type ghost one's a gigantic ringleader from the gangs of new york times and you know other you know it doesn't really i don't think you're supposed to care about because i think because they are fodder for the ghostbusters to take care of uh i don't think you're supposed to really care of yeah maybe you're not supposed to care but at the same time i do i just don't you know, it would be different if they were all just corporal manifestations, corporeal manifestations like we've seen prior. But when they have all different kinds of designs, then I start to question. Well, like, they're, they're supposed to be look kind of unique, so they're different. You, well, it, again, though, it would be different. Like I did like in the beginning. You know, you see the one girl, and she's certainly from a time period. Then you see the other guy, and he definitely matches. Time, the the yeah. area that he's that he's manifesting in, but then some of the other ones they don't really make sense. They don't. Well, you gotta have that joke like you kill the pilgrim. Yeah, but I mean, like I'm saying, like why is one gigantic? Why is one not gigantic? Why are some? You know, you can you can say that they were using like the oh this is a stage four manifestation, but at the same time, I just felt like they were throwing things in just because that it would look cool. Well, I mean, you gotta make it look kind of. Interesting. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here. Yeah. Because if you just had, like, booty boo, normal ghosts, it'd be like, people... Would... I think I would have preferred it, honestly. I, because well, I, I, think felt you, like... I, I think you'd probably be in the minority. Because I think most people, if they just had regular... People would be like, oh, that's boring. Yeah. That's not interesting. I felt like they just were, were trying too hard to include different things which, in there. Which makes sense, too, because unlike the original ghost, but this is heavily action. Yes. Uh, the, the proton packs are out in Grand Force and a shit ton of other booby traps and other weapons that uh, Kate McKinnon's character comes up with that has no rhyme or reason for her ever developing. 
They just get done doing something. Like, hey guys, they got a new grenade. Like you know, it's 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 like a video game. It's like if you think sit if you sit and think about it, you're gonna have an aneurysm. You're like, wait, you, we were just in this scene. You were just explaining how you did this, and all of a sudden you have this. Like when did you have the time to do this? Makes no you know to create that it makes literally no sense. But you're not supposed to. You I can understand, and I'll, I'm not giving it a pass. Yeah. But I can say I can understand because they're expecting you not to pay attention to that. You're just along for the ride. Like oh yeah, all of a sudden she has grenades, a power glove type thing, and pistol you know pistol proton packs. That was my other even, though, even though, like, a day before, they, she just figured out, like, oh, yeah, the original Proton Pack, which was, like, this 10-ton behemoth that we had to cart around on a, you know, a dolly, I got that, you know, down to a shotgun blasting, you know. Yeah. That was my other big issue with it, is the technology itself and, and the explanation of it. I don't mind that they come up with those bullshit kind of bullshit explanations for, yes, I just came up with this on the fly. That's fine, because, obviously... Ghostbusters, you're not really supposed to take it extremely seriously, or there's not even any science behind it. But at the same time, I did have an issue with how, towards the climax, they were able to just vanquish ghosts with their proton beams rather than actually catching them and putting them into their traps like you would have in a well, normal Ghostbusters. Because they, well, they don't really explain how the proton beams work. They're just like, oh, it's nu- nuclear reaction. Yeah catches the ghost and it's able to wrangle them in but and then it's like well if you hold it long enough and whip them or you know hit the left stick left and right enough times it's gonna you know they're gonna right they're, they're gonna, gonna be disintegrate vi- yeah. into like ectoplasm yeah. they don't explain that and i did find that an issue i just you know i i i, I would agree that that is kind of annoying because they don't explain how and it's how, so, how and it so clearly doesn't go along with the original no. idea of ghostbusters no because right. you have to fucking catch them i mean that was yeah. the big thing you're busting ghosts by catching them, and in and, this one, they're not and, catching them. You're but just not only that, but like, like I said, like in the original one, they only used their proton packs like under two minutes in the whole right. thing. So, th- but as I was explaining to you, it's, it's Star Wars syndrome. It's with the lightsaber. What most people remember from the first Star Wars was like, oh, the lightsaber duel between Obi Wan and Darth Vader. That was cool, even though it was like slow, plodding, and boring. Be like, oh, that's great! And so later on, they just get grander and grander and grander. He's like, that's what people want, even though right. it's like that wasn't the focal point. It was like an afterthought. And it's the exact and, same. It's thing It's the exact here. same thing with this. Like in the original, no oh, proton packs. Yeah, they're cool and neat, but like it, they're not, they're not essential part. They're not the overarch. The, thi- the main thing you're supposed to take away from the film. But people saw it like, oh, that's badass, and then it became like, oh, shit, we gotta, we gotta, you know, throw that in a lot. Because if it wasn't for, like, that kind of thinking, like, with episode one when Lucas did the prequels to, like, Star Wars, you wouldn't have, like, the 20-minute fucking lightsaber duel between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn versus Darth Maul that has, like, a bunch of acrobatic flips and all that shit, which never happened in the original films. It's just, like, very basic, like, bam, 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 lightsaber, you know, so it's like they read the internet forums, like... Yeah, that's, that's we gotta include that. Yeah, that's that, like the biggest like, thing uh, that they're looking for. Like, oh yeah, that's pe- people like the proton packs. So right, we gotta, Kate McKenzie we gotta bust out pistol versions and li- you know lick them sensually and then you know, you know. Yeah. So and then give a nice wink to the camera. <laughs> Just so funny. So real quick, um, I don't think we can end this podcast before talking about well, there's a few the more. fucking Fall Out Boy theme song. Terrible. Horrible. Awful. Luckily, they don't use it that much. Doesn't matter. It was still used. As I told you, I know 
because it's new, it's a remake, it's a reboot. They gotta sprinkle something in there new, but it's like, the Ghostbusters theme's already a perfect entity as it is. Yeah. It's the one hit Ray Parker Jr. had. Don't take that from him. That's right. Don't, don't ruin it. And we even used to play it in gym. We did, and it was just, it's awful. I, as I told you, and you're like, wow, this Fall Out Boy. I didn't even know this Fall Out Boy. I didn't even know Fall Out Boy still made music. I thought they died with the rest of the bad pop emo bands of the, like, you know, the mid-2000s. Like, nope. Them, Simple Plan, and Avril Lavigne just took a drive off a cliff and... No, nah, they're like, trying to make comeback. Good Charlotte just released a new album. No, they're still, really? Yep. Good lord. So, yeah, but... What that, bad taste kids had in the that, early 2000s. That Fall Out Boy theme song is just horrible. I, I don't know why they did it. Well, I, maybe, I really maybe, don't. Maybe in the sequel they have Paramore do this. They'll have, they'll have Paramore do this. You know, the, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I that, that, that theme song is just, just terrible. But luckily, they don't use it that much. It's very minimally used. And they do get... Ray Parker's in there as well. I, I know, but I would see. Usually, I don't. When it comes to like remakes, I don't like them calling back too hard to like the original because it's like like the like they're giving like the elbow not nudge like hey hey you know this is you gotta like it so you know the original. But in this case, I would have preferred they much like had sprinkled in more like you know right. the, the original Ghostbusters. It would it would have fit the tone of the film, even if it was like for like ironic sake, just to have like. Uh, like, the theme just kick in in, like, a random moment. It would have been like, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Would have been a nice callback, but... Speaking of callbacks, what did you think of all the cameos that they had from the original Ghostbusters? You know, to be crew? honest with you, I think they, they all did a good job. Yeah. I think the main problem was a few of them, Ernie Hudson, didn't get enough time. I, th- yeah. I think Dan Aykroyd didn't get enough time, but I think he uses his time very wisely. They definitely gave Bill Murray the most time, because... Bill Murray, and he chews the scene like Bill Murray. His, his cameo is the funniest, just because he plays a ghost-denying scientist. I'm like, so after this news of ghost appearing, what do you think? He's like, <laughs> it's ridiculous, preposterous. And I was honestly um, sad to see that Sigourney Weaver was relegated to the finale. Really, yeah, I almost the credits. I, it took me until like after the credits rolled to realize that was Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, because it didn't look like her at all. Because mm-hmm. they had her dressed up like to be like an older Kate McKinnon, but I didn't realize it until like they're like, oh, that is Sigourney Weaver. But I, I think I I do think the cameos were they all were funny. I think Ernie Hudson in his like brief cameo he was funny. Uh, I th- I thought Dan Aykroyd was hilarious, and as I was telling you, I think the older he gets, the more and more uh, Canadian his accents coming out. Like you can tell, like now when you listen to him, you can tell he's like, oh yeah, he's from Canada because the way he's just talking, like giant yeah. pound, and I don't, I, I ain't afraid of no ghost, eh? I mean, what but, about uh, um, Annie Pot? Annie Pot? Yeah. I, I think you know hers is great because hers is short, but it's like really good. It totally fits, like right, kind of like the opposite of her character, like she, like from being like the you know the secretary. That she was, she's like a bitchy receptionist. Yep. at a hotel. It she she's great. I think they did a really good job, and I I'm I I was and they're not offensive either. I think no no, no they're all they're. I was surprised to see that everybody kind of made a return except Rick Moranis. Well, probably couldn't get him out of retirement. I think from what I read, like, he hasn't done a film since his wife died from cancer. Yeah. And he just doesn't have any interest. But I've, I've, 
That's that's the one disappointment that you don't get Rick Moranis. And... But other than that, I mean, everybody else was really good, and yeah. it was great to see everybody like kind of jumping in and 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 actually, you know, there hasn't been interest in doing Ghostbusters three, but at least they did return. Well, for you this. can't. Well, I say you can't do it now, right? But at least they did return for this, just to kind of, you know, have a throwback. Throwback moment. Now, do you think they were giving their blessing, or do you think it's more like, just just give me the damn I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I almost think Dan Aykroyd would probably be happy. I would hope that it would be a blessing. I think Aykroyd would be happy. I think Andy Potts and Ernie. I think they... And so, I think the only I think the only one probably be like Bill Murray probably would be like he yeah he probably would like, fuck this I but. could see like do, just doing that for the paycheck sort yeah. of thing but even then he, I I feel like if he was just doing that for the paycheck he just wouldn't have shown up you know what I mean he would have been funny he, I don't think he would have been funny and he's right. funny I don't think he would have even needed to and he has the longest part yeah so he has I the longest like, by, like a, long, by was, a long shot too. if he was there and he was just there for the paycheck I don't. I feel like he would have made a, a moment like Ernie Hudson who gets like literally like a minute. If even that. It's like 30 seconds. Just like, boom, there he is. And, oh, yeah, it's enough for you to say like, oh, oh yeah, he was in there. You know, he was in the original one. And then you're done. You know, I feel like if that was really the case where he was like, I'm not, I, you know, I just want to show up. If you if you really need me in this, I, I will show up for like a scene. I feel like he would have I, I feel that, I so. feel like even on that, though, the way Bill Murray is, if they're like, please, Bill, he'd be like, no. If he didn't really right. want, if he, if he if really didn't, didn't want to be in it, he, he just, just like, would not do he it. He would just be like, "No, I'm fucking yeah. Bill Murray. I don't right. have to do anything." Exactly. You know, I think that would be the case. So I, I think I, I, and Ivan Reitman produced it. So yeah. I think they probably had everybody like, "Yeah, yeah, well, you know, Ghostbusters three is never going to happen because poor Harold's gone." But well, it was good to see that it was dedicated to Harold Ramis. I think he probably would have liked it. I think he would have. I think after uh, his last film, he did. Um, I'm trying to play. It was it year one or ten thousand BC that he did? Um, I think it was year one. Yeah, with uh, Jack Black and uh, I. I don't know. Yeah, yeah year it was one. year one. Yep. So right. I think he would have liked it. Yeah, so I, I think he would have appreciated it. Um, we didn't talk about Chris Hemsworth at all. Yeah. He's a great part of this film. He's hilarious. He's he really runs with with his role as the the idiotic, like, absolutely yeah. dumb receptionist. Fuck, he you know he he is truly hilarious. Like every, there's not like a funny unfunny part with him. He, I honestly think that he was having a lot of fun with that. He role. probably was after doing like all the Thor films. He's probably like, all right. I get to do something. Uh, I think he was having a lot of fun. It's it definitely seemed like you know every scene that he's in. It's not just, even if he's in the background, it's not, you, you're not like, oh, you know, Kevin's in the background. It's, you definitely notice him in all of the scenes, like rubbing his eyes, which are supposed to be his ears. He's rubbing <laughs> his eyes like they're his ears. What, um, why, 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 why don't your glasses have any lenses? Oh, they kept getting dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every scene that he's in, I think he really excels at that. And that's another one where you, you can say... You know, definitely they succeeded in in some of their one-liners because he he really makes that. Yeah, no, he's yeah, him and Kate McKinnon are the two funniest parts. They are, and, and and um Neil Casey as well. Can't discount. Yeah, him. no, no, I I'm not, but um, 
honestly, Steve Higgins as the Dean really shines through, too, in just, like, that one scene that he's in. Norm, I mean, not Norm McDonald, Michael McDonald, too. I was, oh, uh, Michael McDonald, and too. I, and I was laughing, because I was telling you, about it, like, I didn't know Michael McDonald still. After yeah. Bad TV, I thought his work was just, like, he just ran out of work. Like, no. What do I do now? Well, oh, nothing, because you're, you're Michael McDonald, and everyone's like, hey, it's the guy that played Stewart. I mean, all of the cameos within this film are really good, I Except think. Except Ozzy. Except Ozzy Osbourne, yes. That was a very misplaced <laughs> and, dated. and dated reference. But but other than that, uh, like all the cameos that you get are really good, I feel like. You know, a very good roles for each of them. So those are some of the funniest moments. So anything else that you got that you, you want to talk about that we haven't touched on yet? You can think of? Um... I can't think of anything. I think we got to the majority of what we wanted to talk about. I talked about what I felt my the flaws were in it. Uh, we talked about what we thought was really funny. I mean, there are, like I said, there are like funny like and funny callbacks too. With the whole originally when they're looking for a place for like them to move into, and right? They go, they go to the original uh, the firehouse, original firehouse, and the real and they're like, oh yeah, I love it. And Kirsten Wig asks them, uh, realtor, how much the place costs? She goes twenty one thousand dollars a month for rent. She's like. You burn hell, just like instinctually, like burn hell. And it's like she's like, really? She's like, what excuse? What excuse me? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And you're like, what, what, really? She's like, yeah. What did you expect? And yeah, and it's it's just funny because it's like, oh, that's how I would I would totally react. I'd be like, if I heard like an outlandish price for something, I'd be like, oh, you, you burn hell. Yep. And that that's you know. Yeah, there are some definitely there's some good callbacks to it. Um, you know, they got the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man in here. Um, Slimer, Slimer. Uh, although I think they use Slimer a lot less than I would have. Expected. I thought I thought what he was in the, the film for he, he succeeded. I thought he, you know, the yeah. I thought it was pretty funny actually, just like him joy riding around in the end one. Yeah. Um, I think that they, um, honestly, I think that they did do a good job of the classic Ghostbusters logo coming to life. As sort of like the new that, Stay yeah. Puft Marshmallow Man. Well, I was saying, that was a funny... Uh, that moment with the graffiti where it turns yeah. into uh, the, the logo. Yeah, and it's, it's just like, moment. it's just funny. Like, stop there! He's like, and he's just like, it's kind of, I hate to say it, it's kind of like a Family Guy bit, which I'm not fond of, Family Guy, but I mean, it almost is like, like, stop it, and he just like keeps going. He's like, yeah. you, you stop that, and he just keeps going, like... You know who that guy looked like? I don't, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. It looked like Justin. It was like Justin Timberlake doing like a cameo, but yeah, it definitely, it, it definitely was not. It wasn't, but it looked like that could have been like easily Justin Timberlake, you know, like yeah. in, a, in a cameo. But yeah. So, what would you rate this film on a scale of zero to ten um, ghost tra- traps? <laughs> I just made that. That was that was bad. I made that up. That was normally I make those up on the fly, and it's it, zero to ten proton. Packs. Yeah, proton pack. Sure. Yeah, zero to ten proton packs. We uh, that. I guess a seven. Seven. Seven out of ten. Seven. Maybe I, somewhere between six and a seven. I maybe I probably have to watch it again. But I, I would say right now, like first watch, probably probably seventy. I think it's yeah as. As a remake, I think it succeeds. I think it's, it, I, I think it does change enough from the original, because the humor style is totally different. Yes. Even though it does follow the same basic plot points and the same archetypes with the characters, except, you know, quirkier, I do think it succeeds enough to where 
as a remake, it does succeed. I think, like I said, compared to like a lot of other remakes, it is nowhere near as offensive. Right. That like I I didn't leave this film offended. I think with a lot of remakes, that's kind of how I like view the success of a remake or a reboot. It's like, did I leave the film offended? When I left RoboCop, I felt offended. When I left the reboot remake of Terminator, I felt offended. When I left Evil Dead, didn't feel offended. Yeah. When I left this, didn't feel offended. I and, and I think the biggest thing was, you know, when you see the the post credits scene and it it kind of uh, anticipates a sequel with Zool. I'm pr- I, I, I'm like and I like I said, I guarantee. No matter how good or bad this film is, they already have it greenlit, and they're probably already working on it. So even if this film bombs, they're probably like, well, we already got two already in the pipeline, already funded for, so we might as well pump that out, and if that doesn't succeed, then it'll probably be dead. And, uh, and, and I, So I think the second one's going to be the make or break on the franchise, whether right. they continue on. And I said, you know, are you interested in seeing the sequel? And you said yes. And I think that is telling of what you you know, how you feel about Ghostbusters as a film. It, it, it isn't offensive. It isn't uh, the worst remakes that we've ever seen. I, I do think that it sits somewhere like, I think I might give it like even a 7.5. I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, even more so when I look back on it. And, uh, and, I'm not, and I'm not saying, even though I enjoyed it and thought it was funny, I'm not saying it's like the smartest film. No. Because it's not. It does definitely play to the summer blockbuster audience. Like I said, there's a lot of action in this film. With yeah. The, the proton packs and just how things go. And but it doesn't it, even have not, to be the smartest and film. It, and, no, but I'm not, and I'm not saying it has to be either, but I'm just saying it's it knows what it is Yep. and it, it succeeds in what it's trying to do. Absolutely. And I th- and you can't, you can't knock it against it. I think, I do think a lot of people are not liking because Ghostbusters is so beloved and yep. the trailer sucked. Yep. The trailer did, like, as we said, did no help in promoting this film. I would have, if I saw that trailer before going into this, I probably would like, I have, I went from having zero interest in seeing this film to, like, negative 50. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely none. So, I think, I don't think that helped it at all, but I, I do think if you actually go to see this, you will laugh. You will find it to be funny at points, and I think you will think like it's not, you know, it's not as bad as anywhere near I thought it would be. So I mean, I think that we're we're ending this review with the same comment that opened it, which was, thanks to a YouTube user, this movie was enjoyable. Go see it now. I think that's yeah. that's the sentiment that we're getting at. Is that you're you know you're going to as long as you keep an open mind, and you think the same things that we think are funny. Then you're gonna enjoy it. You're gonna you're gonna at least get some laughs out of it. You're gonna you're gonna have some fun with it. It certainly reminded me of all the things that I love about Halloween, of uh, all the things I love about you know, kind of the goofy ghost if movies. You, if you don't laugh at the anti-Irish defense line, then you have no soul. That's right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, definitely a fun blockbuster film. And 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 don't I I would just urge you not to go by whatever you've seen or heard on the internet so far go into it with an open mind you know if you love ghostbusters try not to think about you know what it could be doing that is different from the original ghostbusters or how it's copying it just just view it as its own entity and and see what you think
I mean, there's no reason for people to find Bridesmaids to be hilarious and look at this. Like, this is a steaming pile of shit. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's literally, like I said, or if you find The Office to be hilarious, that, that same style of humor applies. So, if you watch that and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, Steve Carell's hilarious and, you know, so is Rain Wilson, then there's no reason for you to look at this and be like, ah, this is garbage. Exactly. So, there you have it. Blood and Black Rum Podcast are a bunch of feminazis. We liked Ghostbusters 2016. So, you know, take that as you will. Thank you for listening to our latest episode of the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We will be back next time to continue on our Jeff Goldblum month. Um, have you thought about what we're going to... What we're gonna watch next? Well, are we gonna actually do cats and dogs, or are we? Just we gonna... are totally doing cats and dogs. You haven't even seen it, so you that's why I want to watch it. That could be like a very like low amount of talk. Like, oh, nah, nah. That's... I think we'll get a lot out of it. You really think so? I do. Yeah. No. So maybe we'll do cats and dogs next. Well, obviously we're gonna save the fly to last. So if we did the uh, fly, that's true. So if we did the fly next, it'd be, there'd be no cats. Yeah. And dogs. You can't go from the fly that's true. for Jeff Goldblum month and then. Okay, we're doing cats and dogs. We're going to end it with cats and dogs. uh, The the one that's the most interesting to people. Uh, Yeah, so we'll probably do cats and dogs next for Jeff Goldblum month. Um, You can listen to us on... (laughs) You 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 take suggestions that are meant to be... Totally based in the realm and then of, actually of implausibility, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. It's That's like, why we're so fun. That's why this 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 spontaneity. show is so fun. Spontaneity. That's why I have so much fun working with you as my co-conspirator. You're gonna be like, oh, Tobey Maguire coming fresh off of Pleasantville. I'm like, oh, he's voicing a beagle. <laughs> why is, not? Well, <laughs> um, so you can catch us on. SoundCloud, that's where we normally post our podcast episodes. Uh, we're at soundcloud.com slash blood dash and dash black dash rum dash. That's it. Sorry. So we're at blood and black rum on SoundCloud. Uh, it, you know, if you, if you listen to us on there, that's where we first post our podcast episodes. But if you don't want to subscribe on there, you use your iTunes to listen to us at work or whatever. Uh, we're also up on iTunes. Just search for us, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We'd really, really appreciate it if you left us a review. Five-star review, please. Um, so that uh, we can get noticed on iTunes, so we can provide you even more uh, reviews and episodes and and uh, things that are much more polished than we've normally been doing. Um, so, you know, we can do the, the best things that we can bring to you. Uh, so subscribe to us and like us and, and review on iTunes. Um, also, we're up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you liked us, commented us, whatever you want to do on Facebook. We'd really appreciate that. Um, we're on, I'm on Twitter uh, at twitter.com slash Ryan, R-Y-N-E-T-M-I-A-D-W. I will respond to your uh, any of your tweets that you send to me. Uh, Martin's not on there, so I will send all of your messages to him and make sure that they are sealed with a kiss. Um, a French one. That's right. Preferably. <laughs> um, you can listen to us on Stitcher. We're on that. Uh, we're also on Acast. 
Um, we're on pretty much every place that you can think of that would have podcast episodes, so don't hesitate to listen to us anywhere. We're also on YouTube now. YouTube.com slash C slash The Moon is a Dead World Net. Uh, that's where I post all of our podcast episodes as a video format. Uh, it's basically just a picture in all of our audio, but still a place that you can listen. Um, also, one other thing that you can do, if you so choose, is to email us at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. We are taking suggestions for movies to cover and review. Um, we do have, like I said, we have some lined up for the next coming weeks, but then after that, we're open to your suggestions, so you can certainly let us know what you're craving to hear us talk about. Um, and with if, that... If we're good enough for Wes Craven... Then we're good enough for you. That's our new slogan. <laughs> so, uh, th- we want to thank you again for listening. Hopefully, you will go out and check out Ghostbusters at the movie theater. Don't support it on Pirate Bay actually go and see it at the theater um thank you for listening hopefully you will like and subscribe to us we really really appreciate that so that we know that you like what we're doing and we will see you next time for the next episode of blood and black rum podcast which will be the inimitable cats and dogs better hope that's a full episode worth